Oh yeah, I have to start. So welcome to the To Our Gathered Catholic Podcast with Jim Fellows and me, Father Rob Kroll. Hi Jim, how are you doing today? Good, Father. I, you're not supposed to give me top billing. So you're, you get top billing every time. Oh. Father Rob Kroll and some other Yahoo. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm happy to defer to you today. <laughs> well, oh. There's, there's my dog. <laughs> there's your dog. We <laughs> should have him on the podcast. He might be more intelligent than the two of us. I got top billing this morning. <laughs> How you been, Father? How was your week? You know, it's pretty darn good. Um... We're done today officially with our semester, so we're having a little end-of-the-year dinner and social, and it happens to be my 56th birthday today as we record. Is it really? Yes. Well, happy so birthday. Thank you very much. Yes. Yeah, so. I probably have a markdown on the calendar. I haven't looked at my calendar. That's yet. okay. It's only it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. I, you know, <laughs> I understand. <laughs> so, wow. So do you have big plans? Um, well, I've got a bunch of spiritual direction appointments today, which, you know, is normal. And then, uh, my sister and I are going to go for a walk later in the afternoon and I'm sure tonight they'll have, they'll sing happy birthday and maybe have a cake or something here. So, uh, so we'll see. It'll be fun. All right. So, um, the reason that our podcast is out late is, uh, we were recording it earlier and we ran into some technical difficulties. On my end, let's let's be honest. They were on my end, and I don't. But know. they weren't your fault. No, all of a sudden, like fifteen minutes into our into our podcast, <laughs> the audio decided to cut out. So, anyway, you were so panicked. I like, know. Oh my gosh, I did something wrong. <laughs> and then uh, we brought in um, uh, newly uh, deacon. Yeah, newly ordained deacon. Newly ordained Deacon Steve. Yep. Um, who's a transitional deacon, so we're only going to call him that for a little while. But he came in. He's like our IT guy. Yep. He's our official IT guy I know. at the seminary. This is the second time he's had to rescue us from some glitch. We're going to so. have him on a podcast uh, someday. Yeah. He's, he's a riot. He is. He's a good guy. So he came, and he fixed everything because, as some I've inferred in earlier podcasts, if, if Father Rob... Uh, was not a Jesuit priest, he would probably be Amish. Um, <laughs> just hey. lack, lack of technical. Now, come it's on. It's I'm not, not your fortune. You didn't do anything wrong. It, I, was, total, it was totally not your fault I, of what I happened. I know, but still, I'm not that Neanderthal <laughs> when it comes to technology. I mean, it's true. At 56, I'm a little you, bit, you know, I'm not like the millennials. Is it 56 or 57? 56 today. Oh, okay. Don't right. make me any older than I No, than I am. I'm just, so I'm a couple years old, or a couple months older. A couple months, right. that's right, that's right. But, uh, no, but like relative to my 92-year-old mom, I'm like a wizard. I'm a tech, tech, techie, so anyway. Oh, there you go. I used to be like the, the uh, IT guy for different companies that I worked for, and now it's like I, I'm just the old man. Um, who's grumbling in the corner if somebody <laughs> has a, a tech problem and you yeah. get bringing a 12-year-old. Well, the problem is it keeps changing, and so you got to keep up keep up to date with it, which I don't. So, Right. That is the problem. Anyway. So, Jim, anyway. Jim uh, how has your week been? <laughs> My weekend was okay. There was a lot of uh, Mother's Day stuff going on. Yeah. We had, uh, we had my mom, and, and then we had Jen's mom, and then, of course... We had Jen, and I mm-hmm. had um, bought for her a, uh, a 
a fishing rod because she really wanted to learn how to fish. She's never been fishing before. Can you believe that? Wow. Lives in Minnesota. Yeah. Never fished. Amazing. So I I found that, again, um, in the need of like a 12-year-old because I can't see the line to tie knots. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's just so, does she, like, you know what? Does she tie your fish. shoelaces too? Or, or just, do you what, no, I can. I oh no, you wear loafers. That's I right. wear loafers, so it's not an issue anymore. <laughs> but by the time I was done, I'm like, let's just go to the store and and pick up some fish and bring that home. Can we do that? Because <laughs> right. this is ridiculous. Right. Yep. But we got her set up, and she went out fishing. And as true Minnesota style, she came home with nothing. Ah. So she's going to go out and do it again. She's undaunted. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, that's a great uh, virtue of whatever perseverance, fortitude, something. But that's good. That's good. You know, not yeah. never fishing in Minnesota. That's kind of like growing up in France and never eating cheese or something like that. I don't, I don't think know. that's possible, is it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, if you were lactose intolerant, yeah, I guess. But you'd have to find out that you were lactose intolerant. Well, right, right. You'd have to at least attempt once, right? Hey, so what are we going to talk about this week? So this week, you and I were talking about the idea um, that with uh, with, with uh, churches being limited and we're the fear of a lot of people not coming back, right, because of COVID. Um, we thought that we would talk about um, what are the reasons why we stay Catholic mm-hmm. or, and offer those up to people in case, you know, it's people get questions all the time. People, you know, from from other people who are not Catholic, it's like, why would you stay Catholic? Right, right, exactly. So that's what we're going to talk about today, staying Catholic and why. Yeah, yeah, we thought it would be nice just to share a little bit of our own personal uh, conviction, you know, and um, and you mentioned, you know, that we're there's some concern uh, that after COVID now, a lot of people who used to come to church at least occasionally, uh, now that they're out of the habit of going to a church on Sunday, they may decide just not to go anymore. And uh, and you had done a little research as to some of the top reasons why uh, people do leave the Catholic Church. Uh, so maybe you could share a little bit about what you found out. So the main reasons that are listed, and there's a bunch of reasons that, mm-hmm. that are out there, but the main reasons that are listed that most people uh, glom onto when they're, when they're leaving the Catholic Church, one, of course, is the sex abuse crisis, which mm-hmm. has been horrible and doesn't seem to end. And... Uh, um, it's uh, it's like the biggest black eye on the Catholic Church that you can think of. Right. Um, the Church's stance on homosexuality that that uh, the the Pope just came out and said that the blessing of homosexual unions was not going to take place in the Church, which you know a lot of people were upset about. Yep. Um, dis- dissatisfaction with their parish priest. So. Um, Hey, actually, before you say anything else, uh, going back to that homosexuality issue, did yeah. you are, are you aware that we're recording on on Tuesday, May eleventh, and just yesterday, Monday, in Germany, throughout Germany, uh, there were tons of Catholic clergy uh, who were blessing um, same sex or civil, yeah, same sex civil unions. Like like there were literally eighty different uh, services going on, and it was all done. 
you know, it was all timed and coordinated, so it would be a protest against that most recent uh, Vatican statement. So anyway, I don't know, it, or you know, anyway, it kind of made it made even the secular uh, newspapers. Yesterday. Well, now I just want to make the podcast about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's just well, we already did one on that. So <sighs> that's just that's just wrong. I know. And and not wrong from the fact, just so I want to be clear about this, it's like it's wrong on two reasons. But the one reason that I'm thinking that it's 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 really wrong is that, um, then you're not assenting your will to the Catholic Church. You're doing your own thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I don't care what you're doing. Yeah, it could be any um, number of issues, but yeah, it could be any number of issues. But but once you decide that that your will is is greater than the Catholic Church's will, then you're on the wrong yeah. side. You were on the wrong well, side. Well, the problem with this is, I mean, Germany is really moving towards a possible schism, you know, from yeah. the church. I mean, this is, is it like... schism or schism? Uh, either either one, yeah. Oh. Yeah, they're both acceptable. Kind of is like um, tomato and tomato. <laughs> I shouldn't make jokes. This is a terrible thing that, uh, that they're moving towards schism. That's yeah, just it is. awful. It is. Even, I mean, some of the, Ger- the German bishops are kind of divided. You know, some of them support... Uh, blessing same-sex unions, others oppose it, but even the guy who's the head of the B- German Bishops Conference, who actually is in favor of this, he, you know, that is in, fa- in favor of blessing, he even said that this particular uh, sort of protest is not, is not appropriate because uh, it is so public, and so anyway. Uh, but anyway, that we're getting off track here, but yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, uh, a concern uh, in Germany. And for the greater church. Well, which uh, brings us to number three, dissatisfaction mm-hmm. with the priest. And there may be some German Catholics that are dissatisfied yeah. with their... You uh, mean like current. especially their preaching and stuff like that, or what? Well, I think that's it. I think it's... Uh, yeah. Kind of poor, inspiring homilies. Well, that's a that's a that's that's one a little bit. Later, oh, that's a, but, oh, that's uh, a separate one. Okay. Yeah, okay. it's just uh, you, you're just not a fan of the. And it's actually the next point: uninspiring ah. homilies ah. on Sunday. Okay. Which goes back to being dissatisfied with uh, the priest. Right. And then um, after that, the perception that the church hierarchy is too closely tied to conservative politics, mm-hmm. which I, I think you got like one issue. <laughs> And that's abortion. Probably. And then the rest of it, I think the church is, um, sides a lot with, uh, you know, uh, liberal thinking. Well, that's not the only issue. I would say well, there are, you know, there are, there's a the couple. But, but, but it's true that if you look at Catholic teaching as a whole, I mean, yes, uh, you could label abortion, euthanasia, same sex yes. marriage as conservative. But then you look at the strong, you know, social justice outreach, the uh, teachings on more recently, especially on the environment or caring for the poor, and that would be "quote unquote" liberal or progressive. So, yeah, it, it, those those political categories don't really uh, fit. You know, they don't really right. work. But anyway, and then the seventh reason that they list here is, um, oh, I'm sorry, uh, the sixth reason is that uh, the church's stance towards divorced and remarried Catholics. Uh-huh. And then the seventh reason is the status of women. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know... And probably uh, women's ordination in there, too. Well, right? it is. Yeah. So it's about uh, uh, women's ordination and, and 
um, the women's women's role within the church. So, right, right. Yeah, well, you know, when you look at all those kind of at one glance, I mean, a number of them, of course, have to do with issues of marriage and sexuality, and and um, obviously in our culture, in our Western culture today, um, any traditional sexual ethic is going to be seen as old-fashioned, outdated, repressive, whatever. So, you know, I think really what it comes down to is um, the perennial 2,000-year teachings of the church are just clashing with uh, modern society, you know, which has kind of gone in a very different direction. And, you know, we can either capitulate and compromise, or we can kind of say, out of love, we're going to continue to proclaim these truths. Um, we're going to do so lovingly and gently, but also firmly. And we're not, you know, we're not talking about hating people. We're just talking about standing up for what we believe is di- divinely revealed truth in these areas, you know. And and actually, it's funny, because like with women in the church, I mean, if you look at historically, often it's within the Catholic Church that women were most respected and promoted in cultures where women were often treated as chattel, you know, and so um, it's kind of ironic. I mean, granted, we don't ordain women in the Catholic Church, but that's not, you know, we could spend a whole podcast on that too, but it's not about being sexist or hating women. It's, It's more about the nature of priesthood and what we believe Jesus has revealed about or, or ordained ministry and so forth. But uh, anyway, yeah, so those are, I mean, I, I suppose nobody's going to be too surprised that those would be... No, you, I mean, you the, know what does teach. surprise me that doesn't make the list? Yeah. Is the church's stance on contraception. Oh, yeah, it's a good point. I would think that that would be like, I mean, it, but it's it's like, it's so ignored. Yeah, that, yeah. That yeah, people probably don't even write. It doesn't even, even come up. No. It's like, oh, my God, I've been ignoring that one for right, a long time. Right, right, Yeah. <laughs> Well, and, you know, you mentioned the sexual abuse crisis, too, and, and just, you know, again, we could spend a lot of time talking about that, but I think from, you and I agree I really that it's a, it, no, no, right, I know, it's a kind of a depressing topic. I mean, you and I agree that it's obviously a, a horrible thing and, and should be condemned, um, but, you know, it's not, for you and me, it's not a reason to leave the church. If anything, it's a reason to stay and try to make the church, you know, reform the church and make it make it better and holier, but, I mean... You know, you and I were talking about this yesterday, that um, if, if you're going to leave the Catholic Church because a small percentage of Catholic priests are pedophiles or uh, abuse children or adolescents, well, then you basically shouldn't send your kid to public school where the percentage is much higher. You probably shouldn't visit a gynecologist or a doctor because there's abuse that happens there. I mean, any profession has its kind of bad eggs, you know? And, well, uh, it's it's a, a around 2% of all Catholic priests um, that, that they've found mm-hmm. have, have uh, committed sexual acts with minors. And it's uh, the total number of people who work in uh, the public school system, mm-hmm. um, it floats around 6%. Okay, yeah. And there's a lot more kids going to public school than there are right. being Catholic. right. So. Well, and actually, and, and again, I, I don't want to say this as a way of minimizing the trauma right. that people have suffered, but if you look at what's happened in the last 15 years, let's say, in the Catholic Church, because this issue has been so public and because we've worked so hard at instituting protocols and so forth, um, like the number of new cases now is a trickle, you know? And I mean, somebody who said, and I know it can anger some people, but it's probably true that actually the safest 
place for a young person today is in the Catholic Church. I mean, there's just so much awareness. There's been so much education. Um, so again, I'm not trying to in any way uh, dismiss or be insensitive to people who have been abused or whose loved ones have been abused. But it, it's just it's just a fact that we've really you know, more or less gotten our house in order. And I'm, that's, for me, that's a, I'm, that's an element of like hope. And I think it's a reason for staying, not for leaving, but anyway. Okay. Well, good. I was, um, I I know a guy who had been uh, molested by a priest Mm -hmm. and, uh, um, I I was like, why do you stick around? And he's like, because I'm not going to let that bastard take away the Eucharist for me. Mm, okay. Wow. Yeah. That's wow. That's really strong. That's awesome. You're right. It, it. He's staying because of the truth of the Eucharist or the yeah. sacraments. Um, can we can we use that word on our podcast? Bastard. <laughs> oh, you just said it again. I guess we can. <laughs> <laughs> You want me to bleep it out? Uh, People are going to assume that it's a much worse word if I bleep it. Right, right. Their, their no, minds are going to go. That's true. No, that's okay. So I think that's a safe word, Father. I think we're okay. 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 I would say that um, not all, but most of the reasons that I just listed um that if people are choosing to leave because of those reasons, it's it's because of poor catechesis. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I, I, I think they just, we've done a really terrible job yeah. of catechizing. Yeah. You um, and I grew up in the 70s and 80s when it was really, really bad. You know, right after the council, there was a lot of goofy stuff going on. And I mean, it may have been well-intentioned, but you're right. I think there's a whole generation or two that uh, were not really taught the faith. And, and you know, and, and today, again, I think the catechesis that happens is better, whether that's in parishes or Catholic schools, but... Um, unfortunately, there's also just a much more uh, secularized culture, and there's all these other competing voices. So I don't know to what extent even young people who are being taught the faith well are really um, imbibing it and, and having it affect them. I don't know. But. Well, I think you and I were at the tail end of um, the primary system was that each parish would have, you know, four or five priests. Mm-hmm. And, and the all the... All the uh, uh, Catholic education was done by a priest or yeah. a nun or a nun, right? A lot of sisters. I mean, Saint Eugene, where I went to school, there were there were a number of sisters, and and they may not have been taught um, like teaching skills, but they they knew the church and they knew they knew what they were supposed to teach yep. from the church, right? Right. And then as the as we started losing priests, um, less people were less men were becoming priests. Then you know. If, Parishes were forced to hire um, the laity to fill in some of these gaps because you can only ask so much from you know one or two priests in a parish. Yep. And um, for a long time, um, they didn't have much training in right, in right. in what being a Catholic was because they they weren't they just volunteered and they were like I'll I'll do this and so there was a lot of bad catechesis going out. Yeah. For a while. I think mm-hmm. we're changing that around. I think that people are getting, um, you know, there's more lay people getting theology degrees and more lay people getting uh, right. um, pastoral um, other degrees formation, that would lend them yeah. to pastoral, yeah, or, yeah formation. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot more understanding of what's going on. And I think that that's kind of reflective of how the youth are responding to it right yeah. now, too. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. And 
I think I saw a recent podcast or video, I guess a YouTube video by Bishop Barron in which he was kind of lamenting the fact that, you know, because he's around the same gener- you know, era that you and I are. And I think, you know, I can remember, too, that a lot of a lot of the cate- quote-unquote catechesis was more just about focusing on feelings and, and you know, you did collages and, and you know, and obviously you got to target the age of the kid. So, I, you know, I'm not saying, like, using art is a bad thing, but often even in, you know, later uh, elementary school years and high school years, the catechesis really devolved into kind of uh, focusing on just feeling good, and it was more psychology, and it was a lot of uh, kind of silly artwork stuff. Um, whereas, yeah, I think today we realize, you know, we don't want to dumb dumb down the faith or make it Catholic light. That actually, young people want to be challenged, and uh, yeah. and and you want the bar to be set pretty high. When I was uh, when I was a youth minister and I was in charge of confirmation, I referred to it as the theology of the warm and fuzzy Jesus that yeah, was being taught yeah. to her. Yeah. And, and like I'd read through the books, the approved books mm-hmm. um, for catechesis, and it was like there was like two chapters mm-hmm. dedicated on um, how to make a candle. <clears throat> yeah, and I'm like, why? <laughs> right. Why do I need to know how to make a candle to get confirmed? Right, right. That doesn't make any sense. No, no. Well, anyway, so we've we've kind of looked at some of these reasons why Catholics are leaving. Um, why don't we talk a little bit uh, about why you and I and and people that we might know uh, have decided to stay on board and not jump ship? How about for yourself? What would be like one of the main reasons why you still remain a Catholic? <clears throat> Oh, well, shoot, I didn't think you were going to start with me. I thought you were going to just lead off, and then I was going to be able to nod and go, uh-huh. Because <laughs> um, it's hard. It's it's hard to take a look at it. I'm going to be completely honest about this. Okay. And when you look at the list, and it's like these are all um, maybe not legitimate reasons to be – I mean, some of them are not legitimate, but they're, you know, like the, the priest abuse and, um, you know, things like that. It's just like, well, this is – you know, I can understand why people leave. I have a, a really good friend, or used to be a really good friend a long time ago, who um, did tons of stuff with the church, um, played piano, uh, led choirs, wouldn't become Catholic mm-hmm. um, because of the fact that she couldn't wrap her head around um, the assumption of the Blessed Mother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? I can respect that. Yeah. That's 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 uh if if that's your reason for not becoming Catholic, mm-hmm. that you don't think that you're ever going to be able to ch- change your mind about that, I can I, I can have mm-hmm. some respect for that. That's yeah. that's fine. But I think that the thing that that uh, keeps me uh, coming <laughs> is is you know well where else am I going to find the Eucharist? Yeah, yeah. I think for a lot of Catholics, right, the centrality of the Mass and the Eucharist—that's uh, really huge, right? And by extension, maybe some of the other sacraments too. I mean, Protestants um, will have baptism, and and you know they may have they have maybe the Lord's Supper, which is not a sacrament; it's more of a symbolic meal for them. So that that's true. That's a big factor. Um, yeah, yeah. Now, of course, we could say that. There are Orthodox Christians, uh, non-Catholic Orthodox Christians, who also have a valid Eucharist. So the question is, why why don't we go to the Orthodox Church, you know? And at least for me, 
<clears throat> that that then comes down to also the papacy and the role of the the pope and the bishops within the Catholic Church. I mean, I for me, it's a big deal that we can trace the line of uh, bishops all the way back to the apostles, and that for two thousand years, despite all of the corruption in the church and just all the um, changes that have gone on in the world, that that the church has remained, you know, one holy Catholic and apostolic. I guess th- that's really key for me too. And, and, you know, again, we've had some bad popes. You think about like the Renaissance papacy and, you know, some of the popes were pretty morally corrupt, but if anything, to me, that's even more proof of the fact that this is a real divinely guided institution. Cause if it was just up to us as human beings, you know, we would have self-destructed a long time ago. So the fact that we continue to have uh, the papacy, and that really in recent, uh, you know, the last, just, you know, 150 years, we've had some very holy popes. Uh, most of the recent popes have become uh, saints or have been canonized. So to me, that's a big deal because, <clears throat> you know, we have a love for the scriptures, as do the, our Protestant brethren, but, um, you know, we Catholics believe that the, the Bible doesn't, within itself, it doesn't tell us, like, how many books of the Bible there are. That was a choice made by the church, you know, and 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 obviously, like we differ <clears throat> in terms of our interpretation of certain key scripture passages. I mean, we Catholics base our Eucharist, you know, very largely on um, John chapter six, the bread of life discourse, for example. Well, Protestants read that differently. So, who's right, and how do we know who's right? Who's going to be the arbiter? You know, you can't. I mean, that's where I think for me, the papacy and 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 the bishops united with the Pope. That's a huge source of truth. Um, so, well, and the, it's 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 literally the fullness of the truth. Mm-hmm. That's our understanding. That, right. that if if you if you're buying into Catholicism, uh, then this it's stated that Catholicism is the fullness of the truth of, yeah. of, of God. Right. And right. it's it's my theory that, and people get really ticked at me when I say this, (laughs) but it's my theory that um, once you get to heaven, everybody's Catholic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're we're not going to have a difference of opinion about whether or not Mary was assumed into heaven when we get to heaven. No, we'll we'll see the full truth. We'll be like, oh, well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. And I don't think there's going to be people who are going, I told you, I told you so. But... But we're all going to be on the same. My whole point is that we're all going to be on the same page. Oh yeah, totally. Well, and, and I don't know. People might not know this that the word Catholic, like small C Catholic, means universal. You know, we we capitalize the C when we talk about Roman Catholic, but the the word Catholic just means universal. So yeah, I mean, in heaven, we're all going to be united in the truth together. So in that sense, I mean, we're not going to be Catholic in the sense of a denomination, but we're all going to be uh, experiencing and living the truth in its fullness, right, in heaven. So Well, and not to, um, uh, got to correct you on, on something, <laughs> Catholicism is not a denomination. Yeah, yeah. Everything else that uh, uh, came off of Catholicism is considered a denomination. Yeah. Yeah, but that, uh, that's but that's true. not what we got. No, which is no. another good thing. That's uh, that it goes back to your reason. first point. They need the your uh, your the succession of the popes um, uh, proves that Catholicism is not a denomination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's true. You know, another thing that comes to mind for me because uh, you mentioned the Eucharist in particular, I I just think our whole sacramental system is really beautiful, and it's very much for me 
um, a sign of the incarnation. You know, we believe that the invisible, all-powerful God, you know, stepped into human history in Jesus Christ. He took on a human nature. And, you know, the scriptures are very clear that Jesus laid hands on people. You know, there's one person who was blind that he smeared some mud on his eyes. Um, he took bread and broke it, blessed it, broke it, you know, distributed it. That That's the Eucharist. Um, mm-hmm. He was baptized uh, by John in, in the river... Jordan. So I think what's cool about Catholicism is we have a very sacramental sense. I remember years ago, like when I was younger, Andrew Greeley, uh, a Catholic priest and, and kind of famous author, he, he talked a lot about this, and I think he wrote a book about it too, just emphasizing the fact that, you know, the sacraments are kind of the prolongation throughout human history of the incarnation. You know, Jesus has now ascended. He's back in heaven with the Father, but he hasn't left us. He sent us his Holy Spirit. But we aren't just spiritual beings. We have bodies. We're corporal beings. So the fact that we use bread and wine at the Mass, that we use oil for anointing and, and confirmation, that we uh, lay hands maybe on people um, for for uh, the uh, absolution prayer, and we say words, you know, our, all of our sacraments involve gestures and words. I like that because it just it's like we take earthy, tangible reality, and it's infused with the Holy Spirit, and it becomes uh, a vehicle or an instrument of divine grace. And I just think that's really genius. Yeah, and and, and not to you know regurgitate the same point over and over again, but um, I'm I'm assuming that as a Jesuit, you've probably been catechized pretty well. Well, I like to think so. You know, most people, some people would disagree with that, but uh, yeah, I've, I've received a pretty good formation. And and I got my degree in theology, and I worked in the church for ten years, and and I think a lot of that, if I hadn't done those two things, then there's there's probably stuff that I would have been like, oh, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. It's uh, yeah. there's a lot there's a lot of stuff. That when you look at it objectively, you'd be like, "Well, that's just crazy," <laughs> you know that uh, that the 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 bread and the wine become right. the body and blood of Jesus. Like, right. wrap your head around no, that one. That's insane in a way, right? It's so mysterious and so bizarre, you know. The speak, the telling a stranger my deepest darkest secrets and sins is going to absolve me. That's mm-hmm. that's that's what a frightening concept, right? Right. So there's all these things that uh, that you can look at, and it's like, well, you can look at it objectively and be like, well, women are you know, aren't treated the same as men. They aren't treated the same. I mean, right. Men and women aren't the same. Right. They're complementary, uh, but equal. They're complementary. Right. They're right. equal but different. And the, the <clears throat> thing about that that keeps me going, aside from the catechesis, which I think really lays a good foundation, and to to keep me going, the the thing about. Uh, the point that I'm making about that is that um, there are things that I have seen in my life um, that can't be explained other than um, by the the intervention of God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. And and when and then if I look at that, and if I look at all of the religions that I could be a part of, this is the only one that makes the most sense from from that standpoint. Even with all this crazy stuff going on in our religion. Yeah. So so that's in my head and then in my heart um it's it's all about relationship. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jen hates it when I bring up our, our marriage, goodness, <laughs> but it's an it's an apt uh, thing. There, there are probably um, a dozen things that I do on a daily basis that just drive her nuts. Yeah. And just annoy the crap out of her. I said crap and bastard <laughs> in the same podcast. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> but she sticks it out because she loves me. Yeah. Yeah. And and if you don't have that talk love, about mystery, a great mystery, you know, a huge wow. mystery and a miracle and all of that <laughs> stuff. And I I I, I totally uh, give all. I agree with all that. Um, but without the love, mm-hmm. what's the point? Right. Your kids right. might drive you crazy. For years, they might drive you crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, and, and, and there's going to be heartbreak and there's going to be disappointment. And they're going to do things that are wrong. But you love them, so you're never going to leave them. Right, right. So yeah. it's, it's, it's the same thing with uh, with the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, and I'm not saying that there's a ton of reasons to that all these reasons are valid to leave. I don't think any of these reason, mm-hmm. reasons are valid. Right, right. No, that's really good. I, I, I think, you know, the and you mentioned relationship, and I think for me, too, just the fact that we are really a family within the Catholic Church and that I'm to think that I'm brothers and sisters with you and so many other people on the face of the earth today, right now, but also throughout the 2,000 years of our history. And, and, um, and I think about, for me, too, like the great saints of our tradition, the great heroic, holy men and women who uh, have lived this Catholic faith well. Uh, some of them, many of them, even to their deaths as martyrs. Like, for me, there's something very powerful in that witness. Um, so when, it, when there might be days when I wonder, you know, did I make the right choice, or, or if I'm struggling and doubting some particular teaching, whatever, it really bolsters my faith to know that, you know, many, many, many good, intelligent, holy people have stayed within the fold and have, and have lived, um, lived out these teachings. So I, I take a lot of consolation from that. Um, and, and maybe one other thing I would say at this point, too, because you mentioned how mysterious our faith is. You know, like you said, what a mind-blowing idea that, you know, or, like literally the cheapest stuff there uh, that we can find, you know, ordinary bread and wine, they become the holiest thing on earth, the body mm-hmm. and blood of Christ, or the fact that we believe that God is both, you know, one, uh, totally uh, unified, one God, and yet three persons within that one God. Like, how do you explain that? But, yeah, that'll give you a headache. Yeah, that'll give you a headache, right. But what's cool, I think, is that the Catholic Church is very big on uh, in the intellectual life, on using reason. You know, St. Uh, John Paul II St. Pope John Paul II talked about uh, faith and reason as kind of two wings, and and, and through those two wings we kind of fly, we soar. And so what I think is really neat compared to maybe other Christian um, traditions is how intellectually solid the Catholic Church is. I mean, we've had some amazingly brilliant uh, theologians and, you know, Thomas Aquinas or whoever you might point to, but just um, the fact that we reflect deeply on the faith and that although things, some things we believe, like the Trinity, like the Incarnation, like the Eucharist, these are super rational. Human reason alone, unaided human reason, can only take us so far. But nothing we believe in our faith is irrational. It's not you know, it's just superstitious or against reason. Right. It's just that reason doesn't fully 
you know, uh, explain it all. So um, anyway, but I just think that we have a very strong intellectual tradition that I th- that I think is really cool, and 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 you see that like in our natural law tradition, for example. I mean, like grace builds on nature, so we take very seriously the fact that human nature is already uh, it's created by God. It already has an inherent goodness, and then grace. Um, doesn't like run roughshod over nature. It doesn't destroy or minimize nature. It actually uh, uh, enhances it and makes it even more beautiful. So well, and and I'll go on the flip side of that uh, from the intellectual side. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at historically at the church and its ability to go into um, third world countries and and preach the gospel. And then convert, you know, mm-hmm. thousands of people to Catholicism. And yeah. that's, that's not to say that, you know, the the Protestants and uh, evangelicals specifically don't go out and do that and do a, a good job. And nobody's saying here that um, Protestants can't have a deep relationship with God because I know plenty Correct. of them that do. Correct. We're just talking about uh, you know why we've chosen uh, Catholicism, and and it's it's a uh, um, when I lived in Guatemala and the people who were so, I mean, they weren't catechized like you and I were, but mm-hmm. man, they, they just, they held onto their faith like, yeah. uh, with both hands. Yep. yep. And, and, and it was just, it was amazing to see, um, for a lot of them, how much their faith influenced, uh, their lives and then influenced their culture. Yeah. 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 That's an excellent point. You know, that, um, our faith our Catholic faith is not an insular faith. It's not a faith that turns us like just to flee the world. But when you think about how much Catholicism has influenced, you know, I would say mostly the West, but even in other parts of the world, um, you look at the great, uh, you go to any museum, any secular museum, you know, the Milwaukee Public Museum or whatever, uh, or art museum especially, you're going to see lots of artwork um, about the Catholic faith. And, and you look at all the art, the music, the uh, cathedrals, I mean, just all the way in which the the Catholic Church has influenced uh, the artistic world, the cultural world, um, literature. So, yeah, I think that that is to me also another real argument in its favor. And to go to back go to back to what you were saying, you know, we're not this podcast isn't about um, you know uh, beating up on Protestants or denigrating the Protestant faith, but you use the word fullness, and so I think you and I believe that you know the Protestant. Uh, Christian traditions have a lot of truth to them, but we would have a fullness of truth, you know, for various reasons. And so it's it's not black and white either or. It's it's more of a uh, a matter of um, a fuller, you know, because we we possess certain uh, realities uh, that you know we believe that you know the Protestant world has maybe let go of uh, after the Reformation and so forth. Um, you know, you mentioned Guatemala, too, and I, I think about Latin America as a place where devotion, Catholic devotional life is really huge. Mm-hmm. And again, you and I grew up at a time after the Council when things like maybe the Rosary, Marian devotion, uh, Eucharistic adoration, these things were kind of, you know, poo-pooed and minimized. And I think part of it was because they were seen as competing with faith in Jesus, you know, and Fortunately, today, you know, there's been some corrective happening, and so now more people are going to adoration chapels. Uh, more people have discovered the value of the rosary or the Divine Mercy Chaplet and Marian mm-hmm. devotion. So these things are not opposed to Christianity, 
Um, again, I think they're a great enhancement because, again, we're, we're bodily people. So the fact that we have beads in our hand or, or that we use bodily gestures like kneeling before a monstrance that contains a host, like this is all about involving the whole person and not saying, you know, it's just about your feelings or your heart or something mm-hmm. invisible inside you, you know, so... I think that, and I forgot to mention this at the beginning of the podcast because this this fact just blew me away when I read it. That if um, um, Catholics who left the church, or um, they like to call themselves recovering Catholics, <laughs> right? If they were their own denomination, they would be the third largest denomination mm-hmm. in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them, most of them, don't go to another church. Yeah. Yep. And and the the ones that do, God bless them. It's like I don't, you know, I have a problem with this, but I still want to have a relationship with God, so I'm I'm, I'm attending this church, and that's great. God bless them. And yep. but from, you know, we've talked about, um, you know, we, we we've talked about the the we're not in a, a Christendom period anymore, but we're in an apostolic vision, which means that we got to go out and we got to evangelize. Yep. And and that seems like the low hanging fruit, right? Right, is going to the recover quote unquote recovering Catholic, and and I am a lot more comfortable going to somebody who says, "Yeah, I used to be Catholic," and then sit down and be like, "Okay, well, what happened? There, yep. Something must have happened." And yep. and, and yep. let's talk that out, and let's see if we can figure out what happened and how we can reconcile that, and maybe right. we can come back to the church. And and I and I think you know, as we discussed earlier in the podcast, I, I, it's not universal. But I think for a lot of people, if you were to sit down with them and ask them why they left the church, it really would be about, you know, some priest uh, treated me really harshly, or you know, there, there's, there's like a often a wound there. There was some experience, personal experience, that really left them disappointed. Now, for others, certainly it would be more of a either an intellectual objection, or it could be that they. You know, like I think about some family members I know who um, went to Catholic grade schools and high schools, but I think they weren't really catechized well, like we said, and it wasn't really important to them as a young person. And then, like, they met a spouse, you know, who was of a different, you know, Protestant faith, and then maybe through that uh, spouse, they really got into a, a church that spoke to them and preached Jesus, and it was also maybe uh, an affair of the heart. So, you know, I can understand that, where a person whose experience of Catholicism growing up was kind of uh, distant, boring, all that, and then and then as an adult, they encounter somebody who's really in love with Jesus and invites them into a warm, welcoming church. I, I could see where that would be just much more attractive. Huge draw. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. The... Right. the Catholic churches um, were not good at um, marketing. No, we're not good at presentation. Right. That was I was talking with the uh, with a deacon who was in charge of assigning all the priests in the in this archdiocese. So the two mm-hmm. reasons that people go to church: um, one is music, and two okay. is good homilies. And yep. If you don't have either yep. one of those, people are going to leave your church. Mm-hmm. It's like, well. Okay, but you still got Eucharist. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I right. was at a church that was incredibly yeah. vibrant. I was a part of the music program. We had mm-hmm. wonderful music. Um, the preaching was fine. Mm-hmm. I, there was some pre- you know, there's some homilies that were fantastic and some mm-hmm. that were okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I've since moved to a church that has no music because of COVID, mm-hmm. and the preaching is is fine. 
but um, that's not the reason that I'm there. I mean, yeah. I, I miss playing music sometimes, but you know, the reason that I'm going there is is because that's that's where the Eucharist is. Right. Exactly. No, that's that's got to be central. You know, and uh, even if the, the music isn't good or the homilies are poor. Now, I mean, can, can I understand somebody who, if they have consistently really poorly prepared homilies, would they maybe go? you know, shopping for another parish? Sure. I mean, you want to be nourished, and I can understand that. But that isn't, again, that's not leaving the Catholic Church. That's just saying maybe I, I'm going to find another parish where the, the homilies are more relevant to me. But it's also a wake-up call for all of us in the Church that, you know, whether we're a priest who has to preach or a, um, a music minister like yourself, I mean, we have to, you know, we have to work at, at making the Mass an aesthetically beautiful experience for people, because that, that's a good thing. Right. But in the at the end of the day, right, that's not the main reason that we should be going, you know. So I was at a I was at I don't think I've talked about this. I was at a meeting um to figure out how to make the church more inviting mm-hmm. in, the, in this particular parish. And um they were they they came to the conclusion at this committee that name tags would be really, really helpful. Oh, sure. And it was like <laughs> <laughs> I was I had taken a group of students um, to go and, and visit other faiths and just uh, just see what other people uh, were how they were celebrating Jesus, and we went to um, Baptist church in uh, Minneapolis that was like full on Baptist. Yeah, like, oh yeah, pack a lunch because you're yeah. gonna be there for a few hours, right? And probably really lively gospel music, fantastic and music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The 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 preachers uh, was amazing. I mean, you just it just lifted you on your feet and made you want to applaud. Applaud, and it was interesting because we were literally the only seven people in the crowd that were white. Yeah, so it was a little uncomfortable right. in that regard. But then the service got over, and I was literally hugged by at least twenty people. Uh huh. And they were like, "Thank you for coming. We I hope we see you next week." And 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 it's, God bless you for showing up here, yep. and we're gonna keep you in our prayers. And I'm like, yeah, that's a lot better than name tags, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> yeah, there's really no comparison. <laughs> no, I've had the same experience at certain evangelical churches, and uh, yeah, all of that is wonderful. But then I, I do my own experiences too. That because I I guess you know I I can take mass for granted a bit because I do celebrate it every single day of my life. And so it's often when I go to, like, an, another church, um, be that at the invitation of somebody or because I'm attending the funeral of somebody who belonged to that church. But, um, you know, even if the music's wonderful and the people are very warm and welcoming and the preaching's great, if if the Eucharist isn't there, you know, I'm just left kind of feeling... Yeah, something, something. something's missing, right. Something's yeah, missing. kind of empty, so, right. And the the interesting thing about um, the church that I attend now, where it's a smaller church, there's we don't have any music. Um, it's it would be considered more uh, traditional than not traditional. Mm-hmm. Um, by the outside eye, it's 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 mass. It's what it is. Right. But um, I will go to daily mass on Tuesdays, and they will have a confession for the half hour before mass. And there's a line every yeah. two every Tuesday. Wow! And half that line is young people. Uh huh. Uh huh. 
So, I mean, I, when I was in my 20s and I was doing youth ministry, I was like, yep, we got to change the music so that we can draw these kids in and blah, 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 blah. And now that I'm in my 50s and I see eight kids in line mm -hmm. uh, to go to confession for a church that has no music, mm -hmm. well, I might have been a little off on my <laughs> prognostication. Well, you know, with, with, with the years comes some wisdom, so that's, you know, that's a good thing. So. You know, there's one more one more reason that I can think of, and maybe you have others, but I know our, our time is, is uh, yeah, we're, we're winding rambling. down. But, but one thing I'm really proud of as a Catholic is the fact that we also have in our church such a, a really strong commitment to caring for the poor. You know, like you look at a lot of the saints in our tradition, not all of them, but many of them uh, were men and women who um, in some way or other served the poor. You know, they founded religious orders that served the poor. They worked in, you know, hospices. And of course, in the early days of the church and the Middle Ages, I mean, these places were a lot less antiseptic and attractive than the hospitals and places that we have today, and yet they were out there, you know, on the streets. Um, just the other day, actually, I think it was, it was two days ago, maybe, we celebrated St. Damien of Molokai, you know, a leper, mm -hmm. and, he, you know, he went to Hawaii and cared for the, you know, people that were considered com completely rejected by society as lepers, and, and he himself contracted leprosy and died of it, but he was so dedicated to them. So, like, I think that, to me, is really huge, and, and there's, even today, there are certain countries where if the government's very, either very corrupt or very poor, like I'm thinking of a country like Haiti, mm -hmm. in some countries today, the Catholic Church, through things like uh, Catholic Relief Services, and just, just the fact that we're an international body and have so many resources, we often actually care for the poor of certain countries better than the government does or can. So, um, anyway, we that, are that to the me ca is just... Catholic Church, I want to be emphatic about this, statistically mm -hmm. speaking, the Catholic Church um, does more ministry to the poor um, than any other nonprofit in the world. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, the number it. one mm -hmm. nonprofit for ministering and, ta and taking care mm -hmm. of the needs of the poor. Mm -hmm. Bar none. There's, there's no argument on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I, I live with Father Dave Reith here at the seminary, and he's in charge of the Archdiocese of Milwaukee's outreach through Catholic Charities. And you think about that, Catholic Relief Services. I mean, there, yeah, there's just there's tons of, and, and just at the parish level, think about it. You know, almost in every parish, there's a there's a St. Vincent de Paul Society, or there's some group that is uh, directly caring for the poor. So, yeah, I think that that to me is really a an important mark of our faith and how we live it out in day to day life. So. Cool. Well, what do you think? It's almost uh, 45 minutes at this point. Should we uh, move into the product that you want to talk about? Well, yeah. Do you, or do you have uh, more to say on this? No, I don't. I have 51 minutes for some reason. I don't oh. know why you have 45. Uh, oh, I know. That's because oh, I know I, there's why. that other part. Yeah, there's that other piece. Right. So you were fooling yourself this whole time. <laughs> Fooling yourself if you don't believe it. That we'll fix that yeah, all we'll, up we'll, and we'll, edit. We'll, we'll edit that out, definitely. Okay, so what's so your product? So stuff that we like, stuff we can absolutely like. do that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, one of the things that I have found, I have not tried this yet, but I'm kind of intrigued by it, and I think I'm going to be trying it soon. Um, there's a ton of reviews for Miss, uh, Mystic Monk Coffee. Oh yeah, out in Wyoming. It's a yeah, and it's a Carmelite monks that are making this coffee that are, that are that are putting this all together. 
They have a wonderful website at mysticmonkcoffee.com. Um, and you can subscribe to the coffee. And mm-hmm. uh, you can get, um, they offer it in 12-ounce bags. You can get it in ground. You can get it in uh, a whole bean. Um, 12 ounces would last me about six days. <laughs> but it, it's a monthly <laughs> subscription, so it's like, well, how many of these bags do I need to get? Mm-hmm. But maybe I'll get a bag um, just to just to support them and to try it out and just do a, a bag a month and 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 call it a day. But I'm looking through all the reviews because I'm going to be mm-hmm. honest, I haven't tried this coffee yet, and I'm a big coffee drinker. Mm-hmm. But the reviews are um, like they have like uh, some up to almost a thousand reviews. And there's no negative reviews. Wow, that's amazing! Like, yeah, like that's I'm cool. clicking on each individual coffee, and it says, you know, go to the the poorest review, and the poorest mm-hmm. review is four and a half stars. <laughs> so, Jeez, that's amazing! Yeah, yeah. So, I'm not a coffee drinker. I don't really like coffee, but I know people that do get that coffee, and they they swear by it. They really mm-hmm. like it, and I think I think there may be some association between the monks and uh, Wyoming Catholic College too, which is a a small newer um catholic school that's that's been uh, founded in in wyoming but anyway it's a good cause it's a good cause and you can use apple pay and they take all it's uh it's a it's a it's a decently uh, set up website we'll put the link in the description of the podcast very good very good so and and then we can pray um i've I've got uh, something for us to uh, one of our listeners to pray for this week if you if you don't mind i like adding that by the way i think i want to do that on a regular basis Mm um one of our listeners um in january uh his wife um went in for uh some it was supposed to be some fairly simple corrective surgery yeah and uh due to um, previous um, health issues that she had, it's turned into an absolute nightmare for her. Mm. And she's, I think she's been back for surgery at like another two times. Oh. Um, she's got um, infections that do not stop. And, um, you know, it just is, is she's absolutely really miserable. Yeah. Okay. She's, she's, she's suffering. She's, she's, embarrassed to be around other people mm-hmm. um it's it's just awful and, okay. and it's it was just supposed to be this really I, I think it was supposed to i don't know all the details but it seemed to be a pretty straightforward yeah. corrective surgery yeah and has turned like it could not have well it could have gone worse it could have died well but so, it's barring that it's like yeah. it could not go worse so if uh, if we could pray for her yeah and for sure. um if we could uh ask our listeners to join us in that prayer i i Nothing but helpful. Let's do it. Do do we know her? Do we have a first name for her at all? Aaron. Aaron. Okay. So let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So Heavenly Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit, uh, we praise you and bless you for the time that we've had in this podcast today. Uh, We ask that you would inspire us to live out our Catholic faith in word and in deed, and and to witness to you in such a way that we draw others uh, to know the fullness of truth. We lift up to you also today, Aaron, and we ask that you would be close to her and console her, bring healing to her body, uh, to her mind, to her spirit, and work through her loved ones to comfort her and sustain her during this difficult trial. And I ask that the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon our listeners and remain with them forever. Amen. Amen. 
Well, great being with you this week, Jim, and uh, look forward to talking with you again soon. Great talking with you, Valley. You have a good week. You too. God bless. Bye-bye.